Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 47, Friday, May 31st, 2019. In my country there is problem, and that problem is sports betting legislation. It take very, very long, because Illinois Sports betting. Sports betting. It remains to be seen if there's going to be a big party down in Springfield and here in Chicago later today. This is the final day of the legislative session down in the state capitol. And lawmakers are scrambling to try to put together a sports betting bill as part of a larger gaming expansion package, among many other things. It's past the 11th hour. It's the home stretch right now, actually. And by midnight tonight, we will know if they get anything done. There are a lot of moving parts, so I plan to be back on here with another quick podcast once the dust all settles to let you all know what happened. But right now, with everything going on, and this is sad to say, but I feel like it is infinitely better to get no deal done at all instead of getting a terrible one done. That will set the state back even more. I'm very worried about how things are going right now. I won't dive into specifics in this pod, though, but encourage you, if you're interested, to listen to the last couple of Doggy Juice Pod episodes if you want more in-depth analysis on what's going on down in Springfield right now. And of course, if you want to hear my legal rant on our often alarmingly uninformed Illinois lawmakers, then listen back to the very last podcast episode from about the 17th minute on. I I jump into my take on and everything that's happening down there um, in the last podcast. But anyways, the sporting event this year that is going to have the most eyeballs in the world on it is tomorrow, June 1st, the Champions League final, um, live from Madrid, Spain, between two English clubs, Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. And last night I sat down with Oliver and Quincy from the Top Class Finish podcast to break down the game, talk about soccer, and break down the summer soccer events. We have uh, Copa America, the Gold Cup, and Women's World Cup this summer as well. So it's always a lot going on with soccer. It's definitely a year-long sport. Um, So that's all this episode will be, but I will be back soon to offer a post-mortem on the Illinois legislative session with regards to sports betting. But without further ado, let's jump into the interview with my boys Oliver and Quincy, the resident doggy juice soccer experts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to bring two new guests onto the Doggy Juice Pod, and this has been a long time coming. My buddies Quincy and Oliver from not the East Coast, but the Eastern Time Zone. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the pod. What's going on, man? Going great, going great. So Oliver and Quincy, I've mentioned these two guys on previous podcasts. They are part of the team that runs the Top Class Finish podcast. It's a soccer podcast. Everyone should look that up if you haven't already. But um, So basically backtracking a bit here, and I feel like my soccer – and th- these guys are soccer experts, and that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast for the most part. But um, dating back – and this is going to tie everything in here. So I met you guys through the Twins who – correct me if I'm wrong. You guys played college soccer with the Twins? Yep. Yep. I think, Went to school right? with them. So, so I, I met the Twins studying abroad in Italy – and that's when I, this was about 11 years ago. And at that time, that's when I like fell in love completely with soccer. I feel like 
I was just a casual American fan. You know, I played growing up and and was into it and everything and had you know my favorite EPL team. But it wasn't until I got to Europe and was able to like live there for a while where I actually realized that this is the best sport in the world. This is the world sport. So I feel like it's linked. I met the twins, met you guys through the twins and then found out you guys were huge soccer nuts. So um, I'm very, very excited to have you guys on. Really appreciate you guys coming on here. So um, I just want to hear about your guys, like your history with soccer, like what when you guys started playing and what you're doing uh, with soccer right now. I don't know if, if uh, Oliver, you want to start out? Yeah, I can take it. Uh, I mean, I've been around the game since I was four. As you just said, played college soccer with Quincy and the Twins at, at Adrian. Shout out to the Bulldogs. And like currently right now, I mean, besides trying to get the uh, podcast started back up, um, I coach at uh, two local high schools here in Port Huron, Michigan, doing JV girls and varsity boys. And I mean, I watch it every week. And right now the U-20 World Cup is going on as well. So that gives me a little midday action to watch as well. Year round. Year round. What about you, Quincy? Uh, so, um, yeah, met the Twins in Michigan. Uh, that's my home state. Go, uh, I don't know, murder mitten, if you will, we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> and then um, moved out here in New Hampshire. I still play uh, at least twice a week. I also work for, outside my regular job, I have a job at a nonprofit that is an after-school program for refugees and immigrants. We also provide them with a safe space to play soccer as well. Uh, fun fact, one of our uh, alums of that after-school program was just drafted second in the MLS draft this past year. Wow. Damn. So you guys are like, you guys are routed from all angles. And when, when you played, what, um, what position did you guys play? Um, high school played uh, outside back, outside mid, college transition from outside back to outside mid to center mid and now at this ripe age of 31 i pretty much can do it all and i even dabble in playing in net sometimes nice i'll say high school and college i started off i mean i played goalie since about 13 14 and then if i'm not playing goalie usually outside back or defensive mid nice but for the most part, goalkeeper. So, so like you're not the glory guys. You guys are the, you're the workhorses. You don't get usually. Oh, I'd, I'd much rather prefer to uh, get the assist. Nice. Couldn't agree more. So this podcast you guys have been doing the top class finish pod. Uh, tell me about that. It's been you guys started it last year, if I'm not mistaken. It, there's more than just you two in it. Uh, yeah, actually, it's like it's weird because. I, at one point, I was the only person that knew everyone and had met everyone in person on the pod. Okay. We so I knew Oliver obviously. Oliver met our other buddy Andy through my roommate who lives here, and I knew Andy because we worked together as well. Mm-hmm. Then we have our boy Nate, who's in Philly, who um, I met on a random trip to go see one of my good friends. Nate was his roommate. We ended up staying up to like three in the morning talking soccer. I was like, bro, Oliver, we got to get a group chat with him in it because why not? Also, we don't know any Tottenham fans. So at least it like mix it up for me because being surrounded by Manchester United fans, it was just the worst ever. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, at least we can all like, you know, shit on Tottenham at the same time. And the, it would shift a little the focus <laughs> off of me. That actually did work. Uh, but then we uh, recorded, I'd say for probably... <laughs> like five months and then we finally all had a meetup in person 
in Chicago for yeah, that was the time. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's the time I met those guys too because that was during. Oh the, yeah, and we had the uh, World the Cup, right? yeah, it was during the World Cup, and we got like those trolleys and all that stuff. Yeah, and we all got really drunk that day. Sure did. So that was like your first time. Everyone, you guys did like a live pod together that weekend too, if I'm not mistaken, right? We did indeed. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah. So so every, anyone that hasn't listened to the Top Class Finish Pod. There was uh, Quincy Oliver, a couple other guys, and it was awesome. They break down the action and all the and most of the European leagues. I feel like it was mainly European yeah, when you guys were talking about, but you guys covered everything pretty much. It seemed yeah, it was ma- mainly just the EPL. But I mean, we dabbled in everything. I mean, soccer is this big, huge movement throughout the whole entire world. So there's always these different different type of parts going on. So yeah. we tried to focus on some of the juicier things or just some things that piqued our interest. Yeah. I mean, like soccer is, I heard like some kind of stat or like, I don't know, like Nielsen rating thing recently where soccer is the second most popular sport in America uh, from people ages 25 and under. I think FIFA, the video game might have a lot to do with that, but also just like more games on TV. I think a lot of kids just, you know, you grow up playing soccer, but now they're actually keeping kids involved in soccer, you know, after that time, like in sixth grade when a lot would like stop playing and stuff. But obviously right. you guys would have be more privy to that info than anybody. So Yeah, and a lot of that shifts in like people's perceptions on sports safety as well. Um and I think it's something that we we either talked about on the pod or we've talked about like in groups, but um like soccer has primarily stayed in the same lane as far as safety for kids. And normally when kids transition out of soccer, they're going over to like baseball or football. Or something like that, where now like baseball's list is one of the most dangerous sports that you can play, and football, you're pretty much lighting your kid up for CTE for the rest of their life. So Right. Like, you can be safe as a baseball fan now. I know. So, like, that's yeah, kid the, just got hit the other day. Yeah. So right. yeah. So like I think that's another part of it. And it's also just extremely accessible to people. Um, like even in the poorest countries, all you need is an object and two objects to put that object in, and you can play soccer. Right. Yeah. It's exciting times for sure. And I think like it's, it's going to be more exciting to see what happens the next few years, especially here in America. So just so everyone knows before we even dive into this, so we can get biases out of the way, what, who are your guys teams in uh, like not only the premier league, but what other clubs do you guys support? I guess nationwide or and internationally. Uh, Manchester United glory, glory. Yeah, Boo. I know. I know <laughs> this happens all the time. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> I, I try to pick a team from each league. So I would say, like, Spanish league, I'd say I like Atletico out in Italy. I'm a big Inter fan. And in Germany, it's pretty hard. Well, Pulisic is now with Chelsea, but, I mean, it was hard not to cheer for Borussia Dortmund in Germany. What about you, Quincy? Uh, I am an Arsenal fan. Oh, sorry. Go Gunners. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to hear anything right now related <laughs> to them after after yesterday. But yeah. uh, you know, just so everyone knows, uh, Arsenal lost the Europa League championship yesterday against Chelsea in Azerbaijan. They didn't just lose; they got dragged. Yeah, well, oh, no, <laughs> no, they did not just lose. <laughs> they, <laughs> they like it felt Oliver. It felt the equivalent of like Michigan's revenge tour in football. <laughs> all just to lose yeah. to Ohio State on the last game. Like, what is the point? What was the point of me even getting my hopes up? Just to get your hopes up. That was the but, point. <laughs> but I digress. Um, in Spain, it would be Real Madrid. In 
Italy, it would be AC Milan. In Germany, I agree with Oliver. I am a Borussia Dortmund fan. And their fans are just insane, which I think is one reason why I flock to them. What makes uh, Borussia Dortmund fans so insane? Uh, I think they've sold out their stadium for like multiple years in a row. Just the the atmosphere there. If you just Google a photo. Just a sea of yellow. I mean, they love their soccer. They love their football. They love their soccer. Mm-hmm. And the Messiah played there. Yeah, right? So, like, I, last year in Chicago, they played a friendly against my, my favorite team, Man City. And it was, like, to your guys' point, there was a yeah. shit ton of Percy Dortmund fans. That were into, it was, like, almost more black and yellow than than the city sky blue color. So oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Yeah. Traveled well. But just so everyone knows, I've mentioned it before on a pod. Like I always have to explain myself when I tell people I'm a city fan because, like, I feel like what's the the term glory every, hunter? Every city fan yeah. has to. Every city fan that you know it's come up recently, you can kind of call them glory hunters. But I have photo proof. I went to my first city match in April of two thousand. Actually, it was March of two thousand eight, which is before the Sheik bought the team. So I uh, they were like a middling team at that point. What happened for me was like. I was looking for a team to catch on to, and I knew it wasn't going to be Man United because everyone in Chicago is a Man United fan. They have like that connection to Chicago with the the, owner, the old ownership or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and so like I just wanted to kind of go oppo with them, but then I found out some of my favorite like English rock stars were Man City fans. And then I the the, the kick the uh, thing that took the cake for me being a City fan was at that time I kind of identified with their fans because they had like a long title drought. And as a Cubs fan, I could kind of relate to that. And then I just found out how loyal the fans were and then got really lucky because they became one of the richest teams, if not the richest team in the world, right after I, you know, professed my fandom for them. So it's been a wild past 10 years with them. Like, I think today's the 20 year anniversary of when they were in the playoff game to get up to the top division at Wembley. That was 20 years ago today. So they've come a long way. That's nuts. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah also, cool. just to touch Back on that stat I was giving you for Borussia. Um, so their stadium holds like 82,000 people. Holy shit. Which is a lot. And they um, they actually have been recorded to have the highest atten- highest average attendance of any football club worldwide. Oh, wow. So that, that'll support it. <laughs> um, so let's, let's kind of divert this momentarily a little bit before we jump into deep diving into the Champions League final which is taking place in less than two days. Um, obviously, this is a sports betting podcast, and that's why I try and keep it centered around, try and help people like understand changes that are going on in that space and also find value if you're looking to make a bet on games and stuff. So I'm just curious to hear what your guys' take is on sports betting. Obviously, Oliver, you're out in Michigan. There's no legalized sports betting there yet, although that's on the docket, and I'm expecting them in June. And then Quincy, you're in New Hampshire where they just had – news a couple of hours ago i guess either the house or the senate it passed through there and i guess it just has to go through like a final reading before it's it's finalized there but what what do you guys takes on sports betting what do you guys think you'll get involved in the in the future like what's been your history with it in the past well i mean i dabble in it probably i say mostly during the football and basketball season in the summer i mean i don't watch too much baseball but i Mm -hmm. mean there's there's really nothing better than taking a couple games on sunday and then getting to watch games that you may not watch just because you have money on the line. Exactly. And I know some people don't consider it gambling, but fancy football, 
I'm very huge into fantasy football. I love it. That makes football what it is to me. And then soccer, soccer gambling, it depends. But with that, it's so <laughs> tough because if I'm betting on a team, I'm usually betting on a team I support. And then you should always bet with your head and not your heart. Yeah, people bet what they want to see. <laughs> that's that's not, not a recipe for success. So, I mean, I'm really hoping Michigan gets involved where it's legal, which is just easier to access it besides going on the Internet and putting your information on the Internet. So it'll be nice if you they legalize it so we can fix these damn roads in the words of our governor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Quincy? Well, Oliver, I would say that fantasy sports is betting or yeah, it does count as betting only if you have money on the line. If you're just doing recreationally, then what's the point? <laughs> you're, you're um, that's like playing poker without money, you know? It's like, yeah, pretty it's much. Because um, there's no reason why I would give a whole season to adjusting lineups just for the sake of it. Um, but I am all for all types of betting. Um, I just did a Game of Thrones death pool nice. where money was involved. I did end up winning that. But nice. like sports betting, betting on life events, whatever, I think it's all great. Um, I do think that soccer is a tough one to get into because uh, it's just any team can beat any team on a day. Like it, mm-hmm. That's hard. It's too complicated. Like Oliver tried to advise one of my friends in the World Cup on what team to bet on. And Oliver was right with what he said, but none of that went how it would, how it's supposed to right. go. It's like it's you, you have a Mexico beating uh, Germany. That's not supposed to happen. Right. And then on top of that, you have to add in goals and whatnot, which is complicated even more. Right. So in terms of like betting soccer, I know like really it's popular to live bet on it in Europe. So I could see that really catching on over here. But um, the other thing I should bring up, early on right now is I made this mistake when I first bet on soccer. I know the 2006 world cup, but be careful when you're betting soccer because there's the three way line and then there's the the full game line. So for soccer, typically when you see a bet, and I know you guys know this, but just to all my listeners, like if you're going to bet on the champions league final on, on Saturday, you're going to see three lines most likely. And that's the 90 minutes. So there's one team to win in the 90 minutes, another team to win in the 90 minutes and a draw. So be careful when you're betting the team. I remember in 2006, I bet Italy, and when they won the whole thing, and after extra time, I thought that I won my bet, but then I found out that I actually bet. <laughs> so, oh, damn. Yeah, I was like 20, but you know, we all make that mistake once. But uh, So just a little PSA to everybody who's going to bet soccer. You could bet to, to lift the trophy, who's going to win the whole thing, uh, and just take the 90 minutes out of it. Uh, the odds will change accordingly, but just be aware of that when you're betting. So with that in mind, let's talk about the Champions League final on Saturday. And I, I want to hear, you guys might know this answer, because this week we had the aforementioned Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal, and the Champions League final is Saturday between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. Is that the first time that both finals have have included teams from just one country? Yes, sir. Is, is, is it? Yep. I was going to say, I, was, I wasn't sure if Spain did it one year. At the same time, yeah. Yeah, it just like sounds too crazy. Like the, the crazy irony is the Premier League champion, my, you know, my favorite team, Man City, is not even included in this. So it kind of shows the how good the Premier League is right now. But another quick sidebar before we jump into the game, like involving this, like how would you guys power rate the major European leagues, like the Premier League, La Liga, Syria, Bundesliga, the League One in France? Who wants to oh, take that? Let's see here. I mean, EPL will be one. 
And then I go. I honestly would go Germany second, Spain third, Italy fourth, and then France okay. trash league last. Because <laughs> it kind of feels like that's at least for Spain. I feel like it's always been top heavy. Obviously Barcelona, Real Madrid, and like. I guess you could say that about any of the leagues, like Bundesliga. You always have like Byron's won what, like seven in a row now, and them at Dortmund always seem to be at the top. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, but it's I look of- at it as strength of competition overall, mm-hmm. and like in Germany and Spain and Italy, like in the EPL as well, the English Premier League, you get lower league teams that can still beat the one or two or three top teams. Like some of Barca's defeats this year were to lower league teams or lower table teams. So, like, do you think sometimes when that happens, it's them just not taking their competition seriously, or is it actual like you're saying the competition's like a lot better, just even at the lower levels in the in those leagues? Uh, I'd say that, but also soccer is like I said, one of those sports that. Any team technically can really stand a chance to beat any team on any day. Like you could be dominated in possession, 90 to 10, only had one shot on goal, and that one shot just happened to go in and you win one nothing. Right. Right. That's why it's a beautiful game. Yeah. Oh, I think I, I think I would agree with Quincy's list, except I think I would take the French League out. And I'd put the Dutch league as <laughs> that's ooh, funny, that's and good. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I'm not, but I'm not joking. No, I'm it's true serious. though. Like the Dutch it's league like, is great. It's like Dutch league, super high scoring, right? That's like the only thing I know about it this year. Yeah, it's like it just seems like it's more high scoring league. I don't know if that's just me. Though. And the development lot, that comes out a of lot it's of, good. Exactly. There's a lot of young talent that's in that Dutch league that all the big clubs are starting to buy up, which they've been doing for years. Interesting. Oh, to keep that in mind. And like the top teams in the Dutch league are like Ajax, um, I can't even pronounce that, Ervedice or something yep. like that. PSV Eindhoven. Yep. PSV, right. That's a big one too. So let's talk about the game. So we've got our Champions League final on Saturday. It's in Madrid. we got the two English teams playing. And the current lines, uh, this is from five dimes earlier today, um, to lift the trophy – Liverpool is minus 215. Spurs on the take back are plus 180. So it's basically saying Liverpool is about 68% chance to lift the trophy. Uh, 90 minutes, Liverpool is about minus 110. So like your typical bet size, you know, bet 10 or 11 to win 10 on Liverpool to win the game outright in the 90 minutes. The Spurs are plus 330. So Ooh. 10 bucks wins you 33. And then the draw is plus 250. Um, the total over under is two and a half, a little bit shaded to the over, minus 120 on the over, even on the under. First half total is at one, a little bit of, of uh, juice on the over as well. And then the draw, no bet. Like, that's if you just want to bet, you know, if it's a draw after 90 minutes, then you just get your money back. It's similar to lifting the trophy, it's minus 220 in favor of Liverpool. So, Liverpool is the clear favorite. They played this game last year, they obviously lost last year. Um, but I can't help but think that there might be value on the Spurs here. But I want to hear you guys kind of maybe talk me off of it if if you can. But usually in championship games, I look like to look under an underdog. But I want to hear what you guys got to say about breaking this one down. I mean, uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, the action you can get for Tottenham is really enticing. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I feel like this is just one juiced up Liverpool team that is. 
they ha- they haven't won anything this year. So everything that they have accomplished, all the goals they scored, will mean nothing if they leave here and let another team in the EPL lift. lift. God, I just can't even right. imagine saying Tottenham champions of, of Europe. I like it's, it's <laughs> it doesn't feel right, and everyone knows it's wrong. <laughs> right, it's just not so, supposed to happen. So I mean, me personally, I really think Liverpool is going to get this, and I know you mentioned the under, but I think mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a two-one-three-one type of match, and Liverpool is going to be lifting the trophy. Yeah, yeah, two and a half is tough. It is. It is. If it opens up early. You know, if there's like that early goal, especially I feel like if I say Spurs, if Spurs scores the first the first goal of the match, then the floodgates can open for both teams. Right. I, I think as a neutral, if I like me personally, much as I don't want either team to win, especially Spurs. Shout out to the homie Nate. But <laughs> if Spurs scores the first goal, especially early, man, it's going to be one hell of a match. And so, I, go yeah, my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, I'd say for the sake of the game. We do need some action early because if not, it'll be like a traditional Champions League final, which could be explosive, but never really lives up to that hype of explosion. Like you'll get maybe like a big goal, but like people want like tons of goals. And when you're looking at these two teams, Liverpool has a golden boot winner. And then probably like. I don't I'll really have to correct me on this, but maybe one or two as far as like efficiency from their top three in the whole league. And then Tottenham have one of the best midfielders in the league, plus the Lord Harry Kane, who is he playing or not? Yeah, is he I was gonna ask you guys that next. I was just gonna sitting. ask the same question. I've I was reading on it yesterday and it seems like there's a possibility, but I think they're gonna be pretty tight lipped until the final starts. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, he might come on, like, in the 60, 65th minute yeah, or something I like suppose, that. I suppose, but, I mean, if you're making making bets, these are things that you might want to consider. Right. That's right. key. But yeah. I'm pretty positive Firmino will be back because he's been I training. Saw that. And I would be positive. I'd be positive he'll, he'll start in that front line with uh, Mane, Mane and, and uh, Yes, sir. So, what uh, do you guys have any idea, like, the tactically – like what formations these teams like to go with, like what? Because I know Liverpool, obviously, incredibly offensive team, um, but Spurs. Like, I mean, I guess like share with the listeners if you guys can, like more about like what the team identity is for these teams. I mean, since Kane's been out, Son's been the one up top holding it down at that number nine spot. And I think mm-hmm. Tottenham usually plays what close to like a four-two-three-one Quincy. Yeah, somewhere around there. And they have Lucas Mora and Erickson playing behind. And, I mean, it's going to be – I really think this game's going to be the one that's just one on the wings. I think the outside backs for both teams are going to be vital. And the outside – I mean, the wingers and the forwards for Liverpool are going to be making a difference. So, I really feel like uh, Kieran Trippier and you would think, what, Rose would probably start on the opposite side, Quincy? I would say so. And, like, I mean, so against Ajax, they ran, like, a four – yeah, it's hard to say. They had, they had like a flat four in the back, and then they had just kind of like a triangle sitting in the middle with uh, Winyama, Sissoko, and uh, Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just ran like Lucas up top, Erickson on the side, and Son on the side. So, I mean, it's really tough to say what they could do, but Rose is there. Trippier, their back line is what's 
going to be something to be something to talk about because they are all very, very solid. Similarly, Liverpool have the best defender in the world voted. So that's something to think about. And one of the best young goalkeepers out there. So like another, I guess, element to this game is coaching. Like obviously they're two excellent managers, but like just from my, and you guys obviously are a whole different level here, but from my viewpoint, I feel like the Spurs coach, uh, Pochettino, he's just like a total tactical genius. The way he played City and the and their uh, tie with City in the quarters was like remarkable in my opinion. And obviously he was able to like mastermind that comeback against Ajax. But so do you guys think either team has like a, an advantage in coaching? I give the edge to Liverpool just because he's been in this situation before. So he, he was in a Champions League final with Borussia. I would agree. So he's, this is not new territory for him. He also has a bit of a chip because he's he inherited a Liverpool team and was given enough money to buy whoever he wanted and do whatever he wanted. And so far, he's living up to the hype, but he has nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. Like, he just had a historic run in the Premier League. And has no trophy to show for it. Right. It was, it was, weren't they like the third highest scoring team in Premier League history or something crazy like as that? As far as overall like, points go, they're yeah. they're in like top five and all the other That's people crazy. that have ever gotten there have won the league. That's crazy. They just yeah. so happened to, did it, to have done it when Man City did the same yeah. thing. <laughs> right. And it was literally, I mean, the everyone knows like the, the Man City-Liverpool came down to yes. millimeters. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. You know, like that game in January. So, you know, it's, it could have been the other way around, but... Um, yeah, this game, I mean, it's tough because I feel like Liverpool, like to your point, they haven't won anything this year. It's been just a historic year for them. But I feel like that's also a pressure thing heading into it. I can't help but think that like all the pressure in the world's on Liverpool and Spurs are just kind of, if they go in there and play free, they know they're underdogs. They know that they're kind of lucky to get there. Like, I feel like that's advantage to them. I don't know. I mean, the pressure is definitely there. But like Quincy mentioned earlier, these guys have been here before, and I think just the taste of being so close last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything I, I else, wasn't even talking about them. I was just talking about his past one. I forget. I didn't forget that yeah. they were there with Liverpool, but like they really are used to this. Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, I know the the loss of the league and whatever other cups that they were participating in this year stings, but I think all that's on the back burner, and I I think these guys are going to come out flying, just really focused, and yeah. yeah. I agree, and I think Tottenham, as we've seen in the past, and granted, they have what they've done in this run in the Champions League has been unreal. But there's been times where they start off slow. I don't think we're going to see any opportunity of Liverpool starting off slow. Mm-hmm. So do you like? Do you think Liverpool will, to that point, like just go for the jugular like right away and kind of take more chances early on, or because that's like the thing that oh. kills me about these these finals sometimes is like you know even like World Cup finals and stuff. You they, they play so tight because no one wants to make that initial mistake. I, I I mean, they call it rock and roll soccer for a reason. Yeah. And I think with that front three, like, it's just in their DNA to attack. And I don't think it's going to be anything too aggressive where they're leaving opening spots on the back line. But I think you'll see them playing balls into the channels. You'll see the crosses coming in. And the three-headed monster that they have is just tough to defend for a full 90 minutes. What about uh, Mo Salva's health? Is he fully good to go now, I'm assuming? He's fine. Yeah, and then in addition, yep. if we're just talking, and I don't know how much, and maybe you'll talk to this point, Oliver. I don't know what your strategy is, but do you ever do like assess the historical, especially with soccer? It's interesting because historically, 
the track lines as far as wins, losses, and draws typically tend to go that way. So Liverpool even has the edge on Tottenham in that regard as well. They're sitting at 82 wins, 42 draws, and uh, 48 losses overall in the history of the, these two clubs playing. Oh, and to piggyback on that, Quincy, Spurs have only won, I think it was two of his last 14 against Liverpool in all competitions. Oh, interesting. Or 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 something along those lines, and I believe this season they lost both matches 2-1. to one. Interesting. So that's something I didn't look up beforehand here. Probably should have, how they fared against each other this year. <laughs> Probably a yeah. good indicator, but that's interesting. But the, the two out of 14, I could be wrong, but I know it's somewhere around there. But they did, Liverpool did beat them twice this season. Interesting. So that's like, I feel like it's always, and this is totally a different sport, but like in football, I know like it, the old saying is like, it's so hard to beat a team for a third time. I guess like basketball too kind of applies, but I don't know if that's really the same in soccer just because it's, um, I don't it's, there's more players involved. There's more, you know, it's 11 guys versus you know, basketball. You got five, I guess I'm kind of making a stupid point here, but I wonder if like, there's any, you know, like obviously it's probably a correlation between them winning twice already and, and having some sort of advantage, skill advantage. But I wonder if that, you know, it's hard. I will tell you, it'd, it'd probably have a little impact, but you never know who's, healthy in these games during the regular season right so that you got to play a factor in that right. compared to like i mean football is in the same situation right. but it's home and it's home and home matches as well so i wouldn't put too much weight on that but just facing that like you're in soccer i feel like you're playing a team for the third time you're just familiar with what they're doing these guys have seen each other i mean the same teams have been attacked for the past two or three years yeah. so they've seen each other a lot not gonna blindside so with anything yeah no, no. I, I mean, unless Harry Kane comes out and he's the second version of Ronaldo. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't know if you got something there. Oh, no, no. That's that's very, very true. It's just uh, – and then I guess another thing to look at, I mean, is like depth of benches. I would say Liverpool edges them out on that as well, as you can tell from like their last result against um, Barcelona. Like – they they made a sub. That sub changed the whole entire game, and they ended up winning. Right, very true. So if they needed to kind of get you know get creative in the middle of the game, or something happens, you know, they have just more maneuverability. It seems like. Yeah, actually, they made two subs that directly influenced how that game ended. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I'm just for me, I'm interested in seeing how the game starts out just from a tactical standpoint. If if there will be anything like. If Pochettino is gonna, you know, just blindside or like just do something unexpected because this guy, I mean, the more I hear about him, I I don't, I'm not totally familiar with the guy's career. Like I know he's Argentinian and everything, but like he just seems like he always has something up his sleeve in these games, and that's he's kind of just always pulled some like a rabbit out of his hat, so to speak. So I don't know. No, I I mean I can really just imagine Tottenham. They are a very good offensive team, but I see them in this match. They it would probably be a counterattacking type of match for them where they're going to look to defend. And when they get the opportunities to play a ball into the space, pass the defenders and try to make something happen. So that's why I can see like Kane coming in. Like I can't see him starting, especially if his health is uh, obviously it's in question, but like, I don't know if that really, if he's, I feel like he's more of like an aerial guy. Am I wrong here? Like he's better. Like if they're, I could see him coming in, you know, 65th, 70th minute when they need more aerial balls for him to get his head on. I don't know if he's as good in the counter game. I, I could be wrong there. He's he's pretty overall. He's an overall player. He scores with his feet, scores with his head. 
His vision's great. He's in the right places at the right times. Strong on the ball. Like Liverpool would breathe a bit of a sigh of relief if he did not play. But I am reading things saying that he's saying that he would be ready for tomorrow, but who's who knows how ready he really is, you know? Yeah. And it could it could all just be like smoke screens too. You know, you see that happening like well, like right now with KD and the Warriors in, in the NBA finals. You know, like I, I have a theory that it's actually his Achilles and he's not gonna come back in at all. Yeah. But Yikes. you know, they're they're not gonna come out and say that just because you don't want to give any advantage to the other right. side. So could same idea. But uh so what so what do you guys think for I guess we'll we'll get our official predictions in here. Um how do you see the game playing out? Like what do you think is gonna be the final score? And I guess like what what's the award they get? Do they give like a any like award for the best player in the game or anything just like that? Just the match. Man of the match. So I guess, yeah. So, so yeah, just shoot me with your guys, you know, your prediction of how the game goes, the final score, and who the man of the match is. Uh, I guess I'll go first. And it pains me to say it, but I think it's Liverpool 3-1. Liverpool gets two, I'd say it's probably two goals within about the 60-minute mark. They already have two goals. Tottenham scores, and then the man of the match, Mane, Puts away another goal for number two, Money. three to one. Uh, I would say, I'd say it's either going to be three nothing or three one. Probably three one um, to Liverpool. And with that, I could easily see that the man of the match will be one of their front three. I don't know which one, unless. And this is a crazy, crazy take, but I could see it. That defender I was telling you about, Virgil van Dijk, he could also win man of the match because he's going to be shutting down their defenders left and right, and he most, he stands a higher chance than most of scoring a goal on a set piece. That could be your value for man of the match. People are looking to bet in that market right there. You know, I would say my, my long shot for man of the match would be the young boy on the wing. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think he's going to have a major game on Saturday That's as well. That's a good take. So all the people listening who want to find that value, that bigger lotto ticket payout. That's the way. What was the name of that guy again? Trent Alexander-Arnold. Alexander TAA. TAA. I'll go with... Uh, and mine would be Virgil van Dyke. Virgil van Dyke, the defender. I'm going to go two to one Liverpool, uh, which is like basically what the line's saying, so it's not really getting creative, but... I think it'll be. I mean, how, what the fuck do I know? But like, I think it'll start out slow. I think they might try and feel each other out a little bit. No one wants to make that first mistake, and then Liverpool gets that opening goal, gets a second, and then Tottenham, I'll just say, gets like a late one, uh, just to make it two to one and make Liverpool sweat a little bit. But I'll say two one, and I'll just go chalk with Mo Salva getting getting man of the match and a big goal, the go ahead goal. But. uh Thanks for that. That's a good preview. Let's. I, I want to jump in to a few other things here before we finish up about um, about some other like summer soccer events because obviously, as we know, soccer is like the ultimate year-round sport. Sorry, NFL. Um, but this summer we have obviously we don't have the World Cup or next year's the Euros. Whoa, 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 whoa. But we do have. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm not being. You're so right. We have the Women's World Cup. We don't have. <laughs> The Benz World Cup. So sorry, ladies. We have the Women's World Cup, the Copa America, which is South American teams only, and then the Gold Cup, um, where it's basically just a 
two-headed monster between Mexico and the USA. So I guess we could start with the uh, Copa America. You guys were telling me that um, that Messi is going to be suiting up for, for Argentina. He was selected right. on the roster of 23. So I would anticipate him to try to win the Copa America and lift the trophy internationally. Because he never has, right? Because like the two, I know they lost twice to Chile recently, if I'm yep. not mistaken. But yep, and they lost in the World Cup uh, final as well, right? To Germany, I believe. Yep, yep. If yep. I remember correctly. That's correct. And actually, yep. this Copa America has Japan and Qatar joining the South American teams as well. Interesting. I did not know that. Is the yeah. is the Qatar team like supposed to be any? Good, probably not. <laughs> I don't even know any players. I, I wouldn't. I mean, no, no offense to Guitar, but <laughs> yeah. I would anticipate that they're probably not, probably not that too good. good. But they get that auto bid anyway in 2022. So, right. Yes, <laughs> uh, they do. So the Copa America, Brazil are the favorites right now. Surprise, surprise. They're at plus 115, so it's almost even money on them. And then Argentina is the second favorite. They're about four to one, and Uruguay. Seven and a half to one, and Colombia and Chile are both ten to one. And after that, it's just all long shots. I think Peru and everyone else is like twenty-five to one. So obviously, it's it seems like it's Brazil's tournament to lose. But um, I don't know. Do you guys think that there's any cause for concern there? Just because um, sorry, pause for concern. Just because Neymar apparently lost his captaincy or just lost his captaincy. One of you guys was saying. Yeah, he he did get stripped. I believe it was given to uh, Danny Alves instead. Um, Correct. But I see no issue with that because, like, similar to Messi, I don't really look at Neymar as a leader on a team with how he plays and how he carries himself. He's It's just not for him. Danny Alves, on the other hand, he's seasoned. He knows what he's doing. Um, it's just like what you said. It, the squad that Brazil is bringing is deep, young, experienced. Like, even their young players are very experienced. Um, so I, I mean, it really is theirs to lose. They have a pretty easy, at least first group. And then from there, we'll just see who they end up going up against. Yeah. I mean, they're playing at home, so they're going to have a ton of pressure on it's, I mean, as always with any type of tournament that Brazil enters, it's when or it means nothing to the country. So they're going to have a lot of pressure. And I mean, Neymar losing his captaincy, he's just an ass. And they just need better representation than, than him, in my opinion. So, is he the type of guy that like losing the can or the captaincy will like light a fire under him, or is he just kind of like is that going to have like a bad impact? Do you think? Well, I actually don't even know if that's going to matter because uh, earlier this week he actually took a knock in practice. Oh, so I don't even know if he's like fit. Oh wow, so he might not even be able to, like play anymore. Oh. Yeah, but like the captaincy thing happened before the oh, wow. him getting hurt. Okay. So. Yeah, but Brazil, they have a lot. They they owe their home fans, especially after their large loss that they had at home to <laughs> yeah, Germany. Don't forget the, the, um, the third place match. Yeah, can't, yeah, can't forget that. Uh-huh. So so seems like that one, Brazil, but I don't know, like in terms of like value, I don't know if you're going to find much value betting Brazil at even money. But um, the Gold Cup, obviously, that one's up here in North America, the Central America teams too. Um, and I'm assuming that like, some random Asian company or countries not not involved in that one, like no, Japan. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you have a couple of the islands. I haven't looked at the field. No. I mean, honestly, the Gold Cup is like you said a two-headed monster, mm. and I wish there was a way we could do something else 
or the competition got a little bit better. But it's it's a test run for these young kids that are getting brought up for the United States. I would anticipate Mexico U.S. to play in the final. And as a, as far as a dark horse, I couldn't even give you one. Yeah, it's just like it looks like Costa Rica is the next one at seven and a half to one, and then Jamaica sixteen to one. The rest are twenty five to one or higher. So okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with the U.S., I never know with us because those teams are the reason why we didn't make it to a World Cup to begin with. So for the last one, so like I, I honestly could not tell you whether you should really back the U.S. or maybe pick up one of those, like Costa Rica. So I guess like along those lines, because you guys, and this is like a really, really like broad question, and you, I'm sure you guys have like broken this down several times in your podcast. I'm like, this is something you could do an entire podcast episode on. But I'm curious to know like what you guys, what your thoughts are in terms of like the future of U.S. men's soccer and the state of it now. Like where I know it's a lot, you just said, Quincy, how there's so much uncertainty because – you don't know what to expect and everything, but um, what do, where do you guys see like the state of U.S. soccer? Do you have cause for hope? Do you guys are, are you drinking the Kool Aid for the future of it? Oliver is. Uh, I want to say drinking. I'd say slowly. Tell sipping. him what you told me slowly today. Sipping. Tell him what you told me. Slowly sipping. Well, <laughs> I would say. I mean, after watching the match, I'd backtrack a little bit. But the U twenty team <laughs> that is playing in this World Cup right now, I think they actually have a chance to be a team that can compete and make a semifinal or make the final of this U-20 World Cup. Saying that at the same time, they may run into a French team in the first round of the knockout stage. So I could be eating crow here soon, but <laughs> the team is filled with players that are getting quality training. They're playing in Europe, and it's going to be exciting to see how they develop and what we send to Qatar if we're able to qualify for the World Cup. Do you, do you hold the same optimism, Quincy? Or I've just been let down too many times. I I can't do it to myself. I'm just coming. I'm coming off of too much loss to put my hopes anywhere right now. I got. I'm I'm putting all my stuff with the Warriors, and that's it. <laughs> You're letting your Arsenal fandom cloud your U.S. judgment right now. I mean, no, my U.S. <laughs> fandom. I, everyone maybe that's cloud your Arsenal. My U.S. national team is the women's national team. The U.S. men don't even deserve to be in a conversation as far as international soccer is concerned, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's embarrassing for a country this big. For, for who we are and yeah. our dominance in every other sport, for us to lack this much and for it to be our own fault with lack of grassroots efforts and all sorts of stupidity within the federation, I don't think that they even deserve to be in a conversation at this time. So, so would you guys say that's like the mo- the biggest, the single biggest reason why U.S. soccer has just never found success is because of the grassroots stuff? Or is it more men's soccer. To- men's soccer, yes. I should be very specific. You have to be specific um, in this because yeah. our women, they've won. They keep winning. So for men's soccer, do you think it's like the fact that everyone – just the easy answer that everybody says all oh, the best athletes are you know quitting soccer in sixth grade and going you know moving on playing other sports or is there more – is it more systemic or is it a combination of everything or what's like the cause? I said it's a combination of both. I think like Quincy said, the grassroots grassroots efforts, especially like in the urban areas, trying to get more soccer played by the minorities that you would not think would play soccer all the time, especially like what they're doing in Atlanta with Atlanta FC, they're building more soccer fields in the urban area areas. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's, uh, 
it's a money grab for the youth system. I mean, we like you said, we could do a whole podcast on this, but that is another big thing. Like the amount of money that you have to pay to be on the academy teams and the MOS is outrageous. And it's unfair to some kids where they may have the talent and they won't be able to get the opportunity to get the best training which they need, which we need for our senior team to get better. It's a disservice to everybody when that happens. As well. And mm-hmm. I, and and just the another thing with money, the coaching licensings. Like in, in Europe, it's easy I want to say it's easy, but it's less expensive to get a coaching license compared to here in America where you're paying an astronomical amount for a person who could possibly just be coaching, a, say, a, a U12, U14 girls team. And it's just hard to advance and get the necessary knowledge to coach. Do you think that's just like bureaucracy or just like, like or is people just concerned about making the bottom line? Or I don't think I the think- concern is winning. Like there are like – there are full nations that have done full revamps after World Cup losses, and those nations are thriving now. You could look at like the Netherlands, for instance. They did a full you look at Belgium, for instance. They've done full revamps of their whole system and look at the success that they've seen. I mean, right. look at the recent World Cup champs. Yeah, like, France. I was just gonna say right. France like, like how like, dare us we forget that Nicholas Anelka just walked out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, after, I remember even like five or six years ago, France was like just, it's kind of like an afterthought on the international stage. Now they're World Cup champions. So. Oh, yeah. Patrice Evra led that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. For here, I mean, it's, I want to catch on when you hear those stats, like I said before, how it's like the second most popular sport with kids under 25. And when you got like coaches like, like you guys coaching the youth ranks, there is hope for, for the future. So, Women's soccer, though, to close up here, and I, I'm going to do a quick sidebar here. Is there, is there, or is there not a maybe famous moment when the two of you guys were shown together at a women's World Cup match? <laughs> am I not, am I not mistaken here? Were you guys on TV? That happened. That that, that may <laughs> yeah. may have happened. It's a screenshot, so I don't know how to find that to to tell the listeners where to look. But anyway, that's I, I am familiar with this. I was lying. I, I've seen it. It's God, awesome. That was that was absolutely <laughs> super fans. <laughs> But where was it? Was that in Detroit? That, that, that was in Montreal. 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 And what game was that? Semi-final. Semi? Gets Germany. This was a big game. Oh, yeah. So Bought the tickets so Germany, like a year in advance. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, quick sidebar. What was the what was the atmosphere like there for like a Women's World Cup semifinal? Um, the beginning of the match, it was pretty loud. And then once it started, uh, once it stayed 0-0... It got really tense. I mean, really? obviously, I mean, and then once the PK happened, pretty much the majority, I would say everybody pretty much started standing up after that, right, Quincy? Yeah, there was a point where, like, we couldn't stand. There were, like, kids in front of us that were forced to stand on seats because they couldn't see in front. And we were in, like, the eighth row. So, like, we were pretty close, and, like, little kids still had to stand up on the backs of chairs to be able to see. Wow. Yeah, but we only ended up getting on TV because it was so tense. We were the only ones standing in our whole section. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the shot. It's like you guys are just like so intense. Looking <laughs> way too stressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, the- t- I was telling Hope Solo to calm, calm down. And I was Slow like, oh, down the play. <laughs> <laughs> so did that game end 1-0? Because I know we won that game. But God, was that 1-0 or 2-0? Yeah. I think it was 2 score- I think we scored another one late. 
Dos Acero. But yeah. I, honestly, it was, I mean, that whole weekend was an absolute blur. Oh, yeah. Bad. And the atmosphere was great because, like, it was basically like a home game for us. Montreal was so accommodating. They had so many different things and, like, fan parties to go to. There was a point where we were running into fans' moms at multiple – or at the players' moms at multiple events that when we showed up for the game, we saw some of their moms and they gave us hugs before the game. <laughs> Tobin, he's mom. Actually, happy birthday, to- Tobin, because I believe your birthday was uh, birthday was yesterday. Oh, nice. Shout out. Nice. Who, who had the hottest mom? Is it uh, Alex, Alex Morgan? I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. I'm a classy guy. They're all amazing. <laughs> it's like definitely not Abby Wambach's mom. She's like <laughs> I mean, she would probably have to be 70 or so at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so Women's World Cup this year, um, I was telling you guys before we, we started recording, but France, at least where I looked up five times is my source, but France are actually the slight favorites over the USA from what I saw there. But it seems like the only other teams that would have a chance against the USA and France are, Germ- according to the betting markets, are Germany and England. Those they're six to one and seven to one. But it looks like it's it's a two horse race here as well. Do you guys have any predictions there? I, I I mean, the odds are right on. I would say you got Germany and England, and France playing at home is going to be really really tough. Those girls are really talented. I believe they beat us, and the friendly they had. Earlier this year or the end of last year, I'm pretty sure, and beat us ha- like it was not a good showing for my girls. But at the same time, it was a mixed bag of players that are on the field. But if US ends up playing France in the semis or the finals, and that home crowd is going to be there, it's going to be a tough environment. But if there's a team and a group of ladies that can do it, it's the girls from the United States of America. But I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, Where's like where's like where's Spain's odds at to win it? Interesting. Uh, I have to look it up really quick. To be honest, I'll look it up while uh, if Quincy's got anything on that game. I have to look it up. Um, while I do that. Yeah, I think that France is in this really interesting place, and I'd love like if the U.S. for some reason couldn't win, I'd love to see France's women win, just so that we could see the men and women as champions at the exact same time for their nations. That would be pretty cool. It looks like the Spain team is 25 to one, which is like behind Australia and Netherlands and Japan. Interesting. That are all, so that could be, if you got any take on that, that could be a good value play. It looks like, looks like they're, Spain, Spain women. They're like, they can look really weak, but they can also, they, they have their moments to shine. Like I've seen them play really, really well. And other times where I'm like, you all need a little bit more experience. I would say I would, I would look into some possible, I mean, making the semifinals with Spain. Oh, yeah, that's good. Probably get like a – obviously like a way less – I'm trying to think of what that would be. Just a, it, It's not posted here, but if it's 25 to 1 to win the whole thing, semifinals probably like – Yeah, I well – 8 to 1 maybe, 6 to 1. To yeah. And Oliver, I'm thinking that the reason why they aren't is probably because of their group. Uh, in their group, it's Germany, Spain, China, South Africa. Uh, right. And China, so China, like, I, China usually brings a pretty good team. Yeah, so that's probably why they're not favorited because they still need to make it out of that group, which is looking pretty tough. And then if, even if they do, they're looking at most likely a second, you know, the second seed or whatever, because Germany be expected yep. to win the group. So maybe tough, 
match up in the round of 16. But uh, one other thing for you guys too, before we go, the, at the World Cup in Qatar in 2022, is there, because I've heard like conflicting reports on this, and I don't, I might be blindsiding you guys with this question, but like, is there, are they not going to expand the teams? I heard they're not going to expand, but now they're keeping 32. But is, they're going to, they're going to stick with 32. 32. Do, do you know if they're going to like look to expand to 48 in the 2020, like here? I'm pretty positive that is probably the goal. Because I'm figuring in Qatar, they're probably not going to be able to complete all the stadiums and just having. <laughs> Just being honest. And then no, just having it in the United – three countries are hosting it in, was it, 20, uh, 2026? 20, when, yeah. we, when we have it, I think that's when you'll see the expansion happen. It also makes sense because, like, I think all three of, like, you know, Mexico, USA, and Canada would get auto bids. I wonder right. how that goes down. So it's kind of a good – just makes sense then to do it. Yeah. So. Well, Mexico and the U.S. are probably going to make it anyway. Canada's oh, the one who's getting lucky here. Right. That's true. So – I guess I could close out. Um, I was going to maybe touch on whatever storylines there might be heading into the Premier League season, but I guess we can close out with just one quick prediction on the 2019-2020 Premier League season. Who do you guys think wins the Premier League? Oh, and is maybe. it going to be City with the three-peat? Oh, my God. You're going <laughs> to make me do this? <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, but probably City with the three. <laughs> If if I was a betting man, I'd probably take Manchester City as well. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming I haven't seen any any like odds on it, but I'm assuming they have to be the favorites at least. But but this is all going. I mean, we don't know what what the hell is going to happen in the transfer window or, or right. who certain teams are going to pick up. Right. So and this is right now with what we're looking at as far as our teams and coaching staff and all that stuff goes. Yeah, Manchester it's, City. Yeah, yeah. it's hard not to. Well, that would be an amazing thing to see that because I can't. I, has there been a three peat like any time recently in the Premier League? I don't even know. Man United do it at some point. I don't even know. Seems like it's hard to do. No, I don't I, think so. I can't remember when in recent times. No. I remember like like Chelsea had a good run. Like Liverpool in the eighties, maybe. I don't know before it became the Premier League. Either way, I think this would be unprecedented because I'm like. I've been, I've been totally drinking the cool way with Man City. It's everything that Pep's doing over there is just like, it's incredible. So just, uh, just enjoying the run right now. Cause I know it's not going to last forever. Yeah. United did it in the early 2000s. I think. Okay, so oh yeah, enough. they did. They did a uh, 98, 99, 99, 2000, 2000, so, 2001. Yep. Then Chelsea. Oh no. Then they did it in the, Late 2000s, middle, mid 2000s as well. Damn. Everything just blurs together, Quincy. It really does. I don't know what it's like, honestly. But because the only team that like sprinkled it out was Arsenal when we won. Yeah. The, the Invincible season was like early 2000s too, right? Or is that mid? I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, Invincibles was 2001, uh, 2002. We can always stick that feather in our caps for now. You always got the, yeah. But either way, I mean, Arsenal, you guys have had your time. Man United, you guys have had your time with your awesome success and your your histories. But there's a new captain in town. His name is Pep Guardiola, and he's leading the mighty Man City to three P next year. I think. <sighs> Sorry to say, guys. <laughs> Honestly, better you than Tottenham. So there you go. We can all we can all agree on that. <laughs> so, all right, so. I think that'll do it. So just one last uh, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for, for coming on and for everybody listening. 
check out their podcast. I think you guys said you're going to be looking to, to like resume that later on at some point, but either way, like follow the top class finish and see where these guys end up, what they end up doing. Yeah. Feel free to check out some past episodes and uh, we're hoping to be back at it here pretty soon. How, how do they find you guys on like, if you guys want to plug like your social media or like Twitter, Instagrams, top class finish. It's all you need. You search it. Just look up top class finish, find it on anything. Uh, in addition, that's where you'll find us on anywhere you find your podcasts. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and hopefully uh, you guys enjoy the game Saturday and everyone wins their bets. Yeah, man. Thanks, dudes. Thanks for having us. Yep. It's Have been, a good one. It's been fun. Go doggy juice. See you guys. Woo. Go top class finishing doggy juice. See you guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Oliver and Quincy for coming on and doing that interview with me. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Like I said, this is a huge day, Friday, May 31st, for the future of Illinois sports betting here locally. And I will be back shortly after the legislative session ends today, uh, in the next couple days, or maybe even tomorrow, with a postmortem on what happened. And I'll break down the actual bill if they do actually get it done. Right now, it's literally a coin toss. It looks like it's a 50-50 whether or not it's going to get done today. So stay tuned. Uh, you can lock in on Twitter. There's some really good follows for some immediate uh, information uh, that's coming right out of Springfield. But as usual, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. I will be um, offering updates on there as well. This is a huge day. Hopefully we get something done. Let's go, Illinois. But I will talk to you all later. Enjoy your night, enjoy your weekends, and have fun watching the Champions League final if that's what you're going to be doing. Uh, one of my best friends is getting married tomorrow, so I'll be Standing up for that wedding, fortunately, there's a pocket of time before the wedding where I can actually watch part of the game. Thank you very much, Kelly. All right, everyone, enjoy your weekend. I'll be back soon. Get this shit done, Illinois. See you guys. Doggy Juice out.